This is Anything and Everything with Ella M, the first non-corny middle school podcast. Before we begin, I have a sad announcement. I will not be making an episode next week because it is Christmas and I do want to spend time with my family. Don't worry though, I'll be back on New Year's Day with a new episode. Also, I really want to make an episode about my life, but I need interview questions. So if you could either send me a voice message or leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be great because I don't want to be making up questions by myself. That would kind of be embarrassing. First, a shout out to Sobble.Swish and Louisa, who are, other, who are also podcasters and sent me a voice message. So I'm going to play that now. Hi, I'm Louisa from Advice With Me, and this is my friend Sobble.Swish, and here he is. Hello, um, I have a small channel called uh, Mary Chrysler with Sobble.Swish. Uh, it's going to be added to Apple Podcasts really soon, and I was wondering if you'd like to do a collab episode with me. Uh, I'm really hoping to expand my horizons with this podcast, and I think doing a collab with you would, could help me do just that. Thank you. Um, so that was Sobble.Swish, and he really loves your podcast, and he's already subscribed to it. And so have I. Thank you, Ella. Bye. And just to let the people who sent me that know, it would be really fun to do a collaboration, but I don't know how that would work. So if you can figure out how that would work, sure. Now let's move on to Apple Podcast Reviews. First, I want to give a shout-out to someone whose nickname was a bunch of emojis. So... I'm talking to you, person who's sent me a review that has a bunch of emojis. And she asked, how do you make a podcast? If you want, I can make an episode about that in the future. Next, a shout out to the person, 4471, who sent me a review saying that they liked my podcast and they think I should make more episodes in the week. That would be awesome. I actually agree. Now a shout out to Savannah, who had emojis at the end of her nickname. And she said... She loves Harry Potter, and she thinks that I should make longer episodes. And lucky for her, this is probably going to be a longer episode. (laughs) If you would like a shout-out or just want to say hi, you can send me a voice message at the link, or you can write me a review on Apple Podcasts. In today's episode, I'm going to tell you guys the stories of some different unsolved mysteries. I love all things history, and so the things about history we don't know is just really entertaining to me, and I hope it is to you too. So I'm gonna show some of my interests and do this stories. And by the way, if you hear pages turning, I wrote this out ahead of time. First, I'm gonna tell you the story of the Georgia Guidestones. Our story begins on a Friday afternoon in June 1979, when a man entered the office of Elberton Granite Finishing in Elberton, Georgia. The man introduced himself as R.C. Christian, which we later find out was a pseudonym, which means it was a fake name. He said that he was the representative for a small group of loyal Americans who wanted to commission a large stone monument on the highest point in Elberton. He said they picked Elberton because they believed it was the home of some of the finest stone in the world. This already is super weird, but I'm going to warn you now, it gets weirder.
For starters, this monument is huge. There are six pillars of stone, one in the center, four on the sides, and one on top. The four on the outside are 16 feet 4 inches tall and weigh 42,437 pounds. The middle one is the same height, but it weighs 20,957 pounds and has holes drilled in it, to it for astronomical purposes. The capstone, that's the one being held up, weighs 24,832 pounds and has a hole drilled into it that focuses a sunbeam on the middle pillar. Altogether, the Georgia Guidestones stones are 19 feet, 3 inches tall, and weigh 237,746 pounds. Not only is this monument huge, but it also has messages carved into it on all four pillars on both sides in eight different languages, including Egyptian hieroglyphics and Babylonian cuneiform. I can't speak either of those, so I'm gonna tell you what they say in English. One, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Two, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Three, unite humanity with a living new language. Four, rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Five, protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Six, let all nations rule internally in a world resolving external disputes in a world court. Seven, avoid petty laws and useless officials. Eight, balance personal rights with social duties. Nine, prize truth, beauty, love, sinking harmony with the infinite. And lastly, 10, be not a cancer on the earth, leave room for nature, leave room for nature. And yes, this monument say that twice. right? It's like the Ten Commandments, but obviously not the Ten Commandments. Most people think the, these are some sort of guidelines for a post-apocalyptic world. Other people think it's a warning about an overpopulated world. Still others think it was commissioned by a time traveler trying to save humanity. That's crazy. Whatever your take is, you have to admit this story is super interesting. If you want to learn more, I put the sources I used in a description down below. Now for our next story. Some people call the Georgia Guidestones the American Stonehenge. You're probably thinking, is that the one with the giant heads? Or at least, that's what I thought. I quickly found out though that the one with the heads is Easter Island. Stonehenge is definitely not Easter Island. It's completely different. Historians think Stonehenge was built around 4,500 years ago, so it's definitely way older than the Georgia Guidestones. When you first look at it, it just looks like a pile of rocks. That's basically all it is, but the way they're placed is baffling. The stones are in a circular formation with some stones standing upright, some laying on the ground, and some laying on top of the upright stones. It's pretty cool. 
Just because we know when it was built and what it looks like doesn't mean we know how it was built. There are a lot of theories though. Some people claim it was built using wicker cages, which were carried by four or five men and possibly some cattle. There's also a theory that they used heavy wooden balls and long wood planks to slide the heavy slabs into place. The most ridiculous theories are that they either used magic or that aliens built them. We also don't know why they were built. They could be a unity monument or maybe a cemetery. Some people there think, think they were built to honor a sacred hunting ground. My favorite theory is the unity monument. We need more of those in our world right now. Okay, that's all for today. Sorry about the second story being a lot shorter than the first. It was kind of just extra information about the Georgia Guidestones and why they have that nickname. Yeah. And uh, plus, though, I did make the episode longer. See you guys in two weeks. Bye. Some people call the Georgia Guidestones the American Stonehenge. You're probably thinking, is that the one with the giant heads? Or at least, that's what I thought. I quickly found out, though, that the one with the heads is Easter Island. Stonehenge is definitely not Easter Island. It's completely different. Historians think Stonehenge was built around 4,500 years ago, so it's definitely way older than the Georgia Guidestones. When you first look at it, it just looks like a pile of rocks. That's basically all it is, but the way they're placed is baffling. The stones are in a circular formation with some stones standing upright, some laying on the ground, and some laying on top of the upright stones. It's pretty cool.